0: Uh, last week we covered uh, faith and belief as well as trust. All of those being air representations of an aspect of the word that the Bible uses for uh, faith as a noun, believe as a verb, uh, things of that nature. I want us to do a quick recap on where we've gotten so far because this week. Uh, we're going to get started, and I say started because I'm pretty sure that this one's going to take more than one week. I'm, we'll be lucky if we do it in two, um, on forgiveness. But someone help me out. Where have we been so far uh, in establishing what we're trying to tell people about the gospel? Um, the way I think of gospels, even false gospels, is that there's a problem and there's a proposed solution. Okay. Uh, so far we haven't really gotten to the solution side of things yet. But how? What have we discovered so far? That what we're trying to tell people is the problem for humanity. Where Where are we at on all that? And that you know, we've covered multiple weeks. But uh, someone go. Oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> that was just me, not the Holy
0: Spirit. <laughs> well, we started with God.
1: Okay
0: kind of a good place to start. (laughs) Yep. So we started with God, uh, and why is that important, that we start with God? I mean, obviously, in our gospel presentation, you don't always start with God, but why did we have to start with God?
2: Set a foundation.
0: Okay, set a foundation for...
2: Because Jesus is God.
0: Okay, so we got another guy coming in the picture at some point named
2: Jesus.
0: (laughs) He's also God, so it's kind of important. Okay, so what's the main problem? Because that was our second week. What's the main problem that the gospel is? Nope, just rubbing a nose.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, the main problem is the comparison between Christ and the... um, Paganism that was being taught uh, we see a lot in the different chapters in the Old Testament where uh, the the Christ will come in the clouds and Christ will come uh, as a as a ruler as a uh, freer of the state to um, to bring everybody out of freedom or out of slavery into freedom. And it was to setting the stage to where, yes, Christ is that, but it was not the first time that he was there. And he was setting the stage of um, he's the good shepherd, he's calling people, and a difference between what was being taught as the Messiah versus what the Bible says okay. or the scriptures yeah, say Yeah, there's definitely as a the
0: confusion Bible. of expectation of who, who the Messiah is supposed to be. But what what, as the gospel, like what are we trying to tell people is... Their problem. That needs solved.
2: Because God as the creator has, of everything, has all authority as to how things should be done. And he's yeah. actively involved. Mm-hmm. And we've disobeyed him.
0: There we go. That's a, there we go. Sin. All right. So our problem is that there's this God who said, <clears throat> you as my creation ought to do this. Or don't do this. as his creation we said "eh, we can do what we want right so we talked about that how sin is pictured various different ways in the bible that we now in modern terms like the word sin because it's short and we don't have to worry about all the different connotations but there's sin which just means like you didn't quite get there it's not perfect which is cool that like we as a uh, society are like sin is the one that we'll be willing to accept because if we wanted to accept um, a transgression where you knew what was right and you did what was wrong then people would be like well I didn't know that that was right or wrong so instead we now have sin which is just like you didn't score a 100 okay? and what's the problem with that because it's not fun like nobody likes to get a 98 right but who cares right why is it a problem that sin exists in us that we haven't met god's standard what you know like who cares what what happens
2: It separates us from God
0: okay, it separates us from god uh so God and I no longer have a great relationship, but and
1: well, unfortunately, 98 actually doesn't cut it. Uh, it, perfection is the standard. Holiness is the reason. And we actually can't, to even say that we can get a 98 is a total misunderstanding of our condition. Uh, we enter in righteousness, which we haven't talked mm-hmm. about yet. But, uh, the, God satisfies his desire for judgment, justice, the standard of perfection and uh, let's say we could even get a 98, which is silly to say, but it, we would not, we would perish still. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, God deals with sin. He's got a couple ways of dealing with it. And uh, for now, the whole problem is sin separates us from God, not just in this life, but forever. Mm-hmm. And so there's something coming that satisfies sin in one extent. It's God's judgment based on his holy, holiness and his righteous requirement of the law, all that kind of stuff. So what does the Bible tell us that sin results in? Death.
4: Death, death
1: right?
0: <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> we, got, we got the collective answer on that. <clears throat> so sin sin brings death, not just physical death as you know, it seems rather obvious, um, but also the fact that we are not separate from God. And, um, The way that the Bible tells us is that how you want to live is with God, because when you live with God, it's pretty great. When you don't live with God, it's pretty miserable. Um, And if you need some passages for that, you can read the Bible. It's there everywhere. Because the Garden of Eden is pretty great. Everything after the Garden of Eden is pretty miserable, until the last chapter is a revelation where you get to live with God again, and things are pretty great. And even in between there, the places that are even remotely close to being good, is always close to God's presence. The further away from God's presence you are, the more miserable things are. Okay, So sin causes uh, death and separation. Uh, so uh, we, we covered that at length, so I we'll won't move on with that. But then we have uh, Jesus come on the scene, who is the fulfillment of the promises that God has made in relationship to our sin. Okay. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, and God's kick, getting ready to kick him out of the garden. And he says, I'll set uh, enmity between you know your seed and, and the serpent's seed, and I'll send someone. He's going to crush the serpent's head. And he's going to bruise his heel. And you know, that doesn't sound all that fun for the person who's going to get probably bit on the heel by a snake. But the snake's going to end up dead, which, uh, if you follow the picture there, is the the killing of the snake will then reverse that whole situation it, you know if you th- picture it as though the snake never existed <coughs> to deceive Eve to get Eve to eat and then give it to Adam, then all of this would have been resolved okay? that's what that statement is doing, and all throughout the Old Testament is this continuing promise that this Messiah is going to come, and uh this messiah is um, is named Jesus. Uh, to, as uh, the savior of his people. So then last week we talked about uh, what we're trying to accomplish by us uh, sharing the story of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. Is not just so that people can hear it, but so that people can believe it, right? In, in a way that then alters how they live and alters what they should expect, right? Uh, so it's not just a matter of like, oh, finally heard the thing. And it's not just, okay, I can buy that. Like, that sounds possible. Uh, It's even more than, oh, that's probably probable. It actually means that there's something now changing inside of us that says, I believe that to be true. I'm going to live like that is true because I expect it to work out. Okay? Uh, And that's a confusing thing, as we talked about last week, about how we use the words today, um, it will get confusing as you read through, especially New Testament passages, about faith and belief and things of these this nature because um, the New Testament has one word and we're using three different words to try and convey different aspects to it. And in one of those ways, I would say it's not important for us to try to distinguish between faith, belief, and trust uh, because they're all different angles of looking at the same thing. So it'd be like looking at a dice and being like, well this one's a 6. And you're like, well yeah, but like if you turn it it'll be it's still a die, right? So, uh we need to understand that that's a shortcoming or well, not necessarily even a shortcoming, but it's a challenge that comes from us being English speakers. Uh then it actually has to do with the way that the Bible presents it because it's presenting it as one thing. And if you want to choose one word, have at it? Uh, You might just have to verbalize one, uh, you know, to make it work. Uh, Trust is probably one of those that works easiest because it can be a noun and a verb. Um, But so then today, uh, there's going to be probably quite a bit of bleed over, which is totally fine, uh, between faith and what we want to talk about is uh, forgiveness. So uh, I'm just going to throw out a question to you guys um, because for whatever reason, when I was preparing my weeks of terms, um, I have forgiveness and salvation as two separate things. And I think I know why. I do that. But I want to know if you guys have any reasons why we might talk about those as separate things. Because if not, we can probably just cover them together. But...
2: Forgiveness implies that, I mean, that implies but you can forgive somebody still have a consequence for it okay whereas your salvation you have been forgiven but you also don't have the consequence
4: for your actions sure ding ding that's what i was gonna
1: say okay it's we talked earlier about righteousness you know there's two aspects that are swirling together in our salvation it's the forgiveness of sins covered by the blood of christ and the provision of Righteousness, which is actually what gets us into heaven, not the forgiveness of our sins. It's the righteousness of Christ that allows us to stand before God. And so, uh, exactly, I I would—I mean, I I don't know what your angle is, but that's what I would have thought. Well, I
0: don't really know that I know what my angle was originally either. So, (laughs) (laughs) we'll pretend like it's something along those lines. There's something more in, in my head. There's something more complete, complete with the word salvation than forgiveness. Yet. You can't have salvation without forgiveness, so I, I feel like the the two are so closely related that mm-hmm. uh as we get into i have a i have a long list of other words that I'm like I don't know which they go with you know it, it's one of those things where like I, there's an if you had a venn diagram right of two circles, I feel like forgiveness and and salvation overlap so much that most of the terms fit in here. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, oh, this one is just talking about forgiveness. This one's just talking about salvation. So just work with me as we go over some other terms like re- reconciliation, propitiation, redemption, and things like that. Getting, I don't know which one of those two words necessarily it fits under because the the two are so connected. So they're connected, yet not exactly synonyms, I guess would be one. it
4: is. Can forgive sins, sins without being
0: fully saved. Which, if you think about that, that's like the story of a bunch of uh, sacrificial system stuff. It's like, sure, you're forgiven, but it doesn't s- solidify anything. Cheryl, you had to-
2: salvation is like a whole, a whole big picture mm-hmm. where forgiveness is an aspect, a very mm-hmm. important aspect, um, but um, you can forgive somebody at some point. That doesn't mean that they have salvation. Um, you can right. forgive them for something, you know, as they did. But, but, um, forget, salvation is, is the whole broad, I mean, mm-hmm. salvation includes like everything. So much, so much wonderful. Uh, you know, our whole relationship with God is based on salvation. And, and, uh, forgiveness is, a, is a very important aspect of that because without forgiveness, you know, it, you know, they, they have to go hand in hand. Yeah. Yep. Basically. And, you know, even we as people can forgive other people, but only Jesus can provide salvation.
3: I think it's also um, one word for each one. Forgiveness is a process. Salvation is completion.
0: If you will, uh, you can uh, turn in your Bibles or onto your phones in your Bible app or whatever to Psalm uh, 130. Okay, Psalm 130, it's not all that long, so we'll just go ahead and read the whole thing. Out of the depths I call to you, uh, my my... Version says Yahweh, so I'm just going to read that instead of trying to remember what all the other versions say. Out of the depths I call to you, Yahweh. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Yahweh, if you considered sins, Lord, who could stand? Mm-hmm. But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered or feared. I wait for Yahweh. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance, and he will redeem Israel from all its sins. And then, oh, my Bible is big. there we go. And then if you'll turn to Psalm 103. My soul, praise Yahweh, and all that's within me, praise His holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all His benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, and rich in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over, it it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him, and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Praise the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, praise Yahweh. Mm. Alright, so just from these two psalms, what are we seeing about God? We talked about him first week, but he's intricately involved in all this. What do we see about God as it relates to forgiveness of sin in these couple of verses from these two, uh, Psalm 103 and Psalm 130?
4: God is holy. Okay, God is holy.
3: Um, so going through that, it was talking about redemption there, redeemed, mm-hmm. and sort of going back to his forgiveness, Redemption seems like a step further of forgiveness in that it's not, not just forgiving those sins. It is correcting that. Mm-hmm. So
0: okay, we're going to write that word up here. I don't know that we'll get to it this week, but we'll put redeem because it's shorter. Uh, <laughs> the verb form. So there is an act that God is doing called redeeming, which we'll have to figure out what that is as it relates to forgiveness of sin. But you're right. There's a progression there. Um, I believe in one. Psalm 130, talks about there's forgiveness and then you're going to redeem. There's another R word in there. I forget. I'm not looking at it right this second. So if someone else wants to find that one, you can get bonus points for that. Oh, I I was just thinking redemption and redeem. They're both the same word. My bad. So there you go.
1: Just brought up from Psalm 103, the whole removing... Good. That's a pretty unique aspect of it. It's different than we understand forgiveness from a human perspective sometimes where we hold it a little nearer than the person who sinned may like us to do. Where God says, you know, as far as the east is from the west, I don't remember, sorry, if it was in this passage about the ocean depths. There's another one about Mm -hmm. our sin going. That's in
0: uh, Isaiah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
4: What else?
0: I feel like Psalm 103 actually kind of tells us what we're supposed to do as it relates to forgiveness, which is really funny, because we don't like it. (laughs) 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 Let's see. Uh, Okay, specifically in verses 8 and
4: 9. Nope, 8, 9, and 10. And then 11 and 12 talk about this removing aspect, but.
5: Well, I was thinking recently about uh, God's judgment and his law. You know, he went, uh, there's something called lex talionis, which is a Latin term for the punishment must fit the crime. And it's pretty severe, and God established that through his Old Testament law. So in order to really understand that, you need to see this compassionate and gracious God who's willing to come in and and um provide the punishment before us. Because in God's holiness he doesn't bend. He is God the Creator. So I, I just love these verses. He's, and it's repeated, by the way, from Exodus where he revealed this mm-hmm. to Moses, but you know, he's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. And then verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. It's because the punishment for the crime is
1: hell. Good work. It's a good one to remember as parents, too. (laughs) We can demonstrate that uh, to everyone around us, but especially to our kids, like, Yeah, the idea of never punishing doesn't seem to raise the child right, but punishing them always according to what you think, or for the frequency that it is repeated, it doesn't, you know, that would crush them, so.
2: Well, even even as Christians, we are um, not punished, but we are corrected Mm -hmm. by God, so that's still... You know, and and that that correction can sometimes involve some pretty painful
4: <laughs> things.
2: <laughs> I mean, not compared to eternal separation from God in hell, but but you know, it can seem kind of painful when we do get corrected. But God still corrects us, even though He forgives us. Amen.
4: Yeah. Okay. You guys
0: keep. Keep thinking on it. we got some stuff on the board. So I want to start covering those things uh, before we get to the end. And we're like, well, we threw out a lot of things on the board and then we didn't say anything. So, uh, so where
2: are you going to get the, uh, the talking board? That can- yeah, right? I know, Cheryl. So I'll make sure to
0: actually read it for you, Cheryl, So It's okay. I'm Good job. <laughs> so, as we uh, talk about forgiveness, specifically uh, from Psalm 103. Psalm 130, uh, I think what would be helpful for us as we also try to model this kind of forgiveness is that forgiveness doesn't come
4: from – I guess I should just ask it. What kind of heart does forgiveness come from?
0: Come from one that is obligated. It says – Okay, you said sorry, so I have to forgive you. Does forgiveness come from a heart of, I don't really care, it didn't hurt me that bad, so okay, you're fine. What kind of heart does
4: forgiveness come from? Humble oh Okay, a humble one. Merciful. Merciful. Well, yeah, yeah, sometimes. I mean, because you know, if you're dealing with some
2: individual, they've done something to you and you start punching them and you're mad at them forever or whatever, it's like, okay, maybe Christ to you me.
0: Know. Okay,
4: so we're on to something there. So <coughs> I forgive and have compassion for them.
0: It comes from a compassionate heart. That we as fallen people. Are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot along those lines. It's a lot else. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's not just the, it's not just the actual knowledge of that. It's knowing what God has done for us and how He's forgiven us. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That that really you know makes makes that work because we can like, "Oh, I should forgive because God forgave me." But unless you understand what that really means, right? You
4: know. I
2: do things every day that God has to forgive me
1: for I mean, right, so yeah, what she just said can be taken in the obligatory sense, mm-hmm. but it's not mm-hmm. as a believer, yeah. like there are a couple of verses I just whipped up here from Matthew six that says for if you get if you forgive others your their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. that could be definitely twisted mm-hmm. the wrong way, mm-hmm. but uh. You know, in Colossians here, it's you know, it just says forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So also you must forgive. Again, it feels like obligation, but if you read everything around here, says put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive. So it, the context is pretty clear there. You know, and then right after that says, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So, I mean, just on and on. So the context, I mean, you, you say what kind of heart? I would say a forgiven heart, uh-huh. one that understands what it means to be forgiven and that these attributes that we're being called to here are, are from God's heart. Uh, and he gives them.
2: It's just a cold. I should forgive, so I'll forgive. That isn't even really forgiveness. It's kind of like, okay, mm-hmm, right. I got to forgive you because yeah. because God forgave me. Mm-hmm. But this is this is actually out of I mean the gratitude and the joy that spills over in your life because God is forgiven you. Yep. That is that is what also brings you more and more to forgive others without you know. Without uh, it being like, oh, well, I'm supposed to do it, so I'll do it. Yeah. God isn't grudging our forgiveness.
0: So, from Psalm 103 and Psalm 130, we see that God has a compassion towards us. He understands, He didn't forget that He made us out of dirt, is what Psalm 103 said. He didn't forget that. He knows that we're weak, He knows that we're currently completely like let out in the open exposed to sin being out, in, out among us he, he he's not although he is holy he is not so much of a snob to think that we should be better because <laughs> he knows he knows exactly he knows better than us exactly where we are and so he understands that yes you are going to sin but because god has compassion on us and he remembers How he made us. There's this other element here, depending on your translation, it might be loving kindness, faithful love, covenant of some sort with love in that word uh, is in there. You see that time and time again, most of the time, a lot in the Psalms, talking about God's covenantal love, specifically in the Old Testament towards Israel, but God's people towards God's people. He has this faithful love. And what that means is a, a reminder to us that. That is how he is always going to be. He's always going to have that angle of love looking at his people. And it's repeated over and over again in Psalm 103. Towards those who fear him, towards those who fear him, so far has he removed their sins, he's done this, he will not be angry with them forever. All of these things towards his people, he's going to remain faithful and loving. To the fact that we keep sinning against. Him. Like it's not just like, oh, he loves us because we're beautiful and we're awesome, and like we're trying to do the whole thing <laughs> that, like, we're doing the other half of the covenant thing. Like, God, no, God knows that we're going to sin against him, and he still is that way. We see that in 1 John in the New Testament. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because that is who God is. He's always been that way. He's going to continue to be that way. He's that way right now. There's nothing that's going to change that about him. So, someone who forgives has this kind of heart. Because if you don't have this kind of heart, what you're doing isn't forgiving. Okay. This is what Psalms teaches us about God. Is that This is what forgiveness is. It comes from a heart that faithfully loves a person even when they continue to sin and hurt and harm and don't Give a rip about you, you're still faithfully loving and understanding and compassionate towards them so that when they do re- repent of their sin, you say there's forgiveness to be had. Can I
2: make a comment? Sure. Yeah. Um, we're talking about forgiveness, but we must never forget the price that was paid for us.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and that should also keep us from like, well, I forgive you, but you got to do this, or you got to, or, you know, you've got, to, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't do what we to mm-hmm. and we didn't want to. Mm-hmm.
0: So, in Psalm 130, it says, if you considered sins, if you kept a record of wrongs done, who could stand? And it's a pretty obvious answer. Nobody. Because if we know that if there is a record of one thing we didn't do perfectly, you don't pass. None of us are getting by. We know that. And that's what the great thing is that uh, it says in verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness. And here we have our first indication of what forgiveness really looks like. So, let's think of it. I'll try and lead us through it. Hopefully, I don't make it more confusing. <laughs> but let's say we were writing down everything that someone did that offended us or hurt us, and we wrote it down, right? And then they come to us one day, and they want something from us. And we'd say, well, look at all this stuff that you did. Why? why what do I owe you? Right? Okay? But in contrast, what Psalm 130 says is, but with you, God, there's forgiveness. So what does that mean, happen to the to the wrongs? Because it's not like the wrongs didn't happen. Did God forget to write them down? Like, did it, it just slip his mind? Like, Or did he <laughs> like, not pay attention? Like, oh, I didn't notice that that person just didn't do what I asked them to do.
4: If we're following this
0: metaphor, it's not that the wrongs weren't recorded. People know God knows what we did wrong. But with God there's forgiveness, which means then those wrongs can be wiped out, taken
4: off the book. Is like oh it
0: looks like looks like you got nothing on there?
4: Even though we all know
0: farewell. There ought to be things on there. (laughs) But there's forgiveness. And in the same way, we would use forgive today in a financial way to forgive of a debt. You owe someone some money, right? And they're keeping track of all the payments you're making. And so, like, let's say I lend my brother three grand. And,
4: you know, he's working out, And at some point, I just say, like, stop paying me. Like, you're fine. We're done. We know that there's you, you still owe me, but like
0: you don't anymore. And this is not the entire, the only way to view forgiveness, which is why we have so many other words in Scripture to talk about this. But this is what God is trying to help us comprehend is that he does, it's not that he doesn't know that you owe him. It's not that he is so incompetent as to keep track of what you owe him. It's that he is so kind-hearted That he's willing to wipe it off for you. Now we're gonna work through how any of what Jesus did, through being crucified and coming back to life, actually makes that even a just and a holy thing for Him to do in weeks to come. But this is what God is doing, and you see that in the parables Jesus talks about about the unforgiving servant, who you know he's got this dead. There's no way he could pay. The, the king says, you know, you're never going to pay that. So let's just get rid of it. Let's wipe it out. And then he goes to his buddy who owes him, like, a week's worth of pay and he starts strangling him to death and throws him in the prison until he can get the money out of him. And and, he, and, and the king's like, you don't understand. I just, I just wiped out a, a crazy amount of debt for you. You couldn't do the same thing for this other guy? And this is one of those things we need to keep track of, is that forgiveness is a purposeful, willful choice to remove what someone owes you and to, and to not demand it be repaid. Wade's got something that he wants to say, so I'll let him say it now before we move on to the yeah, second um.
3: Th- there's two aspects of forgiveness. The first one is the willing... Uh, forgiveness of a debt or our sins as we see in that. But in 1 John 1.9, it says, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the first aspect is the act or the willingness of God to forgive. The second Aspect is that we have to understand that we need forgiveness, uh-huh. and we confess that sin, and then bring it to the uh, one whom we've sinned against, and in a, in an act of uh, reconciliation to make it right. Right.
0: All right, we got a couple more minutes. Turn back to. Psalm 103, if you, unless you're still there. That's totally fine. You're going back and forth. Here's the other two things, at least, that I want us to catch when it comes to this aspect of God's forgiveness. Is that uh, in verse 8, it says that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and rich in faithful love, which we've talked about this kind of heart that this forgiveness comes from. Verse 9, he will not always accuse us. Or be angry forever. Okay?
4: So, I... When someone hurts you, even when they say, I'm sorry,
0: and you mutter the words, I forgive you, how easy is it for us to decide to use that as a reminder
4: of, well, you did this before? Accuse. And you know what? To be honest, it's
0: actually fair. Like logically, totally fair to say you did that before, you're doing it again, and you've done it for a fourth time this week. Why should I forgive you? Except that that misses the whole point of what forgiveness that God is trying to t- teach us about, right? But it is fair. It's fair to say well, you've done this before. But if
4: God were to do that, who would be able to stand? None of us.
0: So forgiveness has to be talking about uh, in in this way. In verse 10, it says he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. Now, let's say, I'm sure all of your marriages are perfect, so we won't pick on marriages. We'll pick on some friendships instead. Say so your friend comes and says something that's real hurtful or harmful to you. How easy is it for us to Repay that statement with a hurtful statement of our own. And to say, oh yeah, well, you're one to talk. <laughs> and then mutter something at them, right? That's what repaying is. And, or and he has not, God has not repaid us according to our offenses or dealt with us as our sins deserve. So someone does something mean and spiteful to you they should get in return is getting punched in the face, but <laughs> you don't, right? Well, God hasn't done dealt with our sins as they deserve, because we've talked about this already. The Sin brings death, so when we sin against God and we say, we don't want to listen to what you have to say, by all rights, I mean, no one could blame God if we just dropped over dead. In fact, that's kind of what we expected to happen to Adam and Eve, and it didn't happen, But sin deserves death. And that's the only way that sin can even be paid for is through death of some sort. But God hasn't dealt with your sins the way that your sins deserve because you're still alive. And yet he's still willing to say, like, oh, yeah, you don't owe me anything.
4: And how is that the case? It's because somewhere,
0: something or someone had to die in order to pay for those sins. Because God isn't dealing with us on an individual basis, which, I know, offends all of us here in the West. Which is a good thing. Because if God were to deal with Matt based on Matt's sins and Matt's righteousness, Matt ain't getting it. He's not getting it. Same thing with Wade, Kurt, Daryl. Yeah, even you. I'm sorry. (laughs) We are not going to be able to be let in to this living with God thing based on our own sin and good. That's not how forgiveness works. That's not how sin is dealt with. Isn't? Well, here's your sin, and here's all the good stuff you did. So there's a lot more good stuff than the bad stuff you did, so we'll let you in. That's not how it works, because any unforgiven sin can't be let in. And so as we look at this, we see what forgiveness actually looks like it it comes from a heart full of compassion and a faithful consistent love at least the kind that God expects and the kind God gives and it is not a repayment of what you've done but it's a removal of what you've done from the record and it has nothing to do with how good you've been or how much you deserve it it has all to do with the fact that God is offering forgiveness. Now, as Wade said, like just because there's forgiveness being offered doesn't
4: mean everybody takes it, right? Forgiveness is
0: given as uh, Psalm, I think it's one of talks about to those who fear him. And, and to those who, who who
4: would bother to ask for it. And say, you know, hey, God...
0: I did something wrong. And I know that if you dealt with it the way that it deserves, there'd be a massive consequence for me, but because of your faithful love and compassionate mercy towards me, you have it. And I want you to forgive me. And God says, yeah, got it. Removes it off
4: a record. It's no longer there. And that's
0: how biblical forgiveness is to work. Now, in order to do all that, we got a fancy word. Which we'll cover starting next week. We got redeem, reconcile. Um, I even have a thing on here about repentance and confession, uh, propitiation, all the good multi-syllable words. <laughs> and most of these words, honestly, the reason they're they're in the Bible is most of those words have it's it's a lot like jargon, a lot like Christianese, right? Lingo stuff where it's talking about an aspect. So. Uh, redeem has a connotation as it relates to, like, slavery and how slavery works, okay? Uh, reconciliation is, um, I wouldn't say it's a military term, but it's a term used in war-type situations. Propitiation has to do with dealing with wrath. And, like, they all have, like, an aspect of life that's trying to give you an angle to view forgiveness of sins that brings about salvation, okay? And as we talk about, you know, like we can forgive each other. And, uh, you know, the Biowatcher says you have to, like you should, because like what, what business do you have holding a grudge and keeping a record of p- things people did wrong against you when God's removing things that you've done off of your record? Like how dare you withhold forgiveness from someone who's wronged you and said, you know, I did that wrong. I'm sorry. And then you're not willing to take it off the record and not be angry with them forever, not to accuse them forever, but to live as though there's nothing on the sheet. So, uh, we're going to wrap it up here mostly because my throat is starting to kill me. So, if you guys got a couple more comments, we do have like two more minutes um, that we can talk about uh, forgiveness. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll carry this into next week uh, as we talk about salvation and the other multi-syllable words yeah go for it so um it's the whole entire
5: i think that the whole entire point of forgiveness was to destroy pride which is what adam and eve had when they fell away from god and so that's why god wants us to forgive because that's what he did for adam and eve as well and so that's the pride is the difference between conditional and unconditional love which is what god has which we can't do ourselves without
3: salvation. So,
4: else?
3: and going along with that, um, it's it's not an easy task to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. You know, Peter came to Jesus and said, "How how many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times." And I think, wow, seven times uh, have have we had to forgive a friend, a brother, you know, whatever. Um, and then Jesus turns it around and says, no, seven times 70. And it's like, okay, Lord, you just really escalated the the game here. And I think it is a lot with what Ian just said is to combat our pride that, you know, pride cometh before the fall and the fall before destruction. So it's it's a hard thing to forgive. And going along with that, we can forgive but not forget. And we can bank up this huge cliff of unforgived, well, forgiven unforgiveness. And it's hard to start each day again on a clean slate. And that's, you know, it's one thing to say forgive, but it's another thing to act the forgiveness. Well,
0: I think that that's what makes true forgiveness all much better is that you know my my one pastor took a bunch of passages. He said you know like God takes your sin from you, he sews it up in a bag, which is I, I don't remember where that's from. But he sews it up in a bag, he chucks it behind his back, which is a different passage. And it lands in the deepest part of the deepest ocean,
2: uh,
0: and then he posts a no fishing sign. You know, um, but it's not it's not as though God forgot. Yeah, he he is deliberately not acting as though that has anything to do with his decision making. It's like, I know, and I think that's what makes forgiveness m- meaningful. Is that, you know, if if someone uttered the words "I forgive you" and then they just forgot, it wouldn't mean as much as to say like, mm-hmm. I'm purposefully choosing to forgive you, which means that now I'm committing. I'm making a promise to you that from here on forward. When I remember that you've done this to me, I'm going to act as though you didn't. And that's what makes it more meaningful, which means it has to come from a truly faithful, love, compassionate type heart. Because that's what 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 you're actually committing to when you say, okay, you're forgiven, is to say, it's not I'm not going to forget. I, you Because know, there's a good chance I'll remember. In fact, I'll probably have a really good memory next time we get in a fight. But I'm going to... Promise you, I'm not going to use that as a thing against you. Because that's that's what we're doing. And that's what God has done for us. Matt, you had a thing?
1: If so, I'm gonna ask a question and if, if it makes sense to address it in the next visit, let us know. If not, just that's fine. So you brought up the passage that made me think about the fact that it gets harder when you get to the seventh time of forgiving is that you do remember. That's why it's hard. And you just address the same thing and i absolutely agree with everything we're all just talking about what what i've struggled with a little bit is god when he's talking about israel i would say 20 times in the old testament he says that you have been rebellious from the day i brought you up out of egypt he reminds them in many and various ways and that's just 20 of that one specific one it's there are many infrequent reminders of their sin. And what I'm wondering is like how, obviously that doesn't reprove any of that. And uh, and he's dealing with the rebellious people who aren't at all revering him at that point. So I understand there's that too. But like with, in the New Testament church, like even here to be a helper in the Sunday school, uh, we do a background check. That's a remembering of sin, so to speak. But we do it for a purpose and what I'm asking is, is there a purpose ever in remembering? Because the benefit of the forgiving 777, 777 times is like we're giving ground for growth, for the spirit to move, to work and repent and grow one degree of glory to the next. That's, that's our, that is our life, one degree of glory to the next, which implies we're still not there. Paul says that too. I have not, you know, I have not yet obtained it and all of that stuff. So there is a point at which, sin in a church, if it is going unchecked and it is not being repented of, we're supposed to take action against it. So there is that sense too, in which we can forgive sin, but if it keeps going and there's not a change of attitude, direction, whatever situational wisdom applies, uh, we take action. There's a remembering, if you will, and an acting upon it. And that's what I'd like to contemplate because it's kind of, I've kicked this stuff around a lot. How do we lovingly how do i lovingly look at my son and say remember when we talked about this not to shame him but to say oh yeah or whatever and like is there a way to do that and how do we do that amongst ourselves yep
0: So we'll pick up on that next week it's a good question that i not don't have a i have a like half answer to so we'll try to get a better answer by next week yeah you all dismissed thank you